Welcome to Niners Talk with John, Tim, and Brian. Let's talk Niners. How can six of you miss a play like that, huh? What's going on, Niners Nation? It's a therapy. What a way to start the what a way to start the podcast. Just a huge thigh. Well, did you watch the game last night? It's not Victory Tuesday, it's therapy. No, I didn't. Of course I did. So, um, we're going to talk about our feelings today because we've got a lot of feelings. So I'm, I'm pissed off. I'm fucking annoyed. Tim, how are you feeling? Well, let's see. Um, I went to bed angry. I didn't sleep well. I woke up angry. Um, you know, it's not often that at 7.02 in the a.m. that I'm driving in the darkened streets of Reston, Virginia, and you're blasting Nirvana, never mind, at the highest possible decibel that your car can go. And maybe, you know, you see a biker that uh, you don't feel is really operating in a safe manner or following the societal norms and rules of the road and maybe you lean on your horn for 20 or 30 seconds because you're just angry the way he's kind of cutting you off and going against the light and then your daughter looks at you and goes dad you okay (laughs) so maybe all that happened this morning and if one if that bikers are a listener you know I, i apologize sir but you were in the wrong you did go against the red light and i had to lean on my horn for a little while because i knew that I was going to eventually have to get to my desk and get the game on and rewatch it again because we have this podcast we have to talk about. That's how I'm feeling, John. You know, I actually feel a little bit better after hearing that because I didn't leave <laughs> anybody's horn scare a biker. Man. <laughs> Brian, how are you feeling? Did you scare I, I did anybody not, this morning? Man, Tim, you hold on to these <laughs> things like. <laughs> uh, oh, a little too. I'm holding on too tight, John. I've lost um, the edge. Quite a while ago, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, how do I feel? I had a dream last night that I got into a car crash. <laughs> God. Okay. I knew this was going to be a therapy session, but wow. Uh, well, yeah, I felt like I was driving and then my car wouldn't stop. And then maybe that's, uh, I don't know, maybe that's symbolic of something. But I, I was thinking about this today. Well, like, what, what am I going to say tonight? And do you guys ever watch uh, Welcome to Wrexham? No, but okay. So basically, the premise is is that Ryan Reynolds bought a English football team, um, soccer team, and they're trying to turn it from like a perennial loser into you know moving up in in the the stages of of English football. Well, so so real life Ted real life Ted Lasso exactly. But they're um, okay. The thing is, they've bought so many good players that they now have expectations that they need to perform. And then, so I was just thinking about today, that's like thinking about the Warriors of 2016, 2017. That's thinking about every Super Bowl team that we've had. Like now that you're this good, you have expectations on yourself. And I just feel like the last two games have been just total, total letdowns where, you know, we're not living up like all players. They're just not living up to these expectations that they've set for themselves. And um, yeah, that's how I feel. And that's, how my day is, I've been trying to process it all day. So that's how, that's how I've been thinking about just, it. Yeah. So for those of you who are turning in for the first time, uh, this is Niners Talk. I'm John, joined by my brother, Tim, my brother from another mother, Brian. We're three obsessed Niners fans who get together weekly to talk about what happened uh, during the game and to preview the game before. So this week, we were reviewing the debacle that was the Vikings game and hopefully the get back on track game against the Bengals. If you have a moment, give us a, a like, a subscribe, write us a review. But for all of those you tuned in last week, it was our best podcast ever. Thank you so much. Uh, we love doing this. We do it each week. We do it for free. And like I said at the start, it's it's also a bit of therapy for us when we've had a game like we did last night. 
So yeah, I would. Um, I'd go further and say we don't do it for free, John, because we. I I think we emotionally, the emotional currency we offer week in and week out. I think that's good payment. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, this game. I I'm trying to think of it like keep some silver linings, but I don't really want any silver linings because I'm just mad. Well, like yeah, they just like. From the CMC fumble on, it just looked off, like a comedy of errors. Now, there are some silver lines. We could have won the game at the end. Brock Purdy looked way better than he did against the Browns. Um, but the defense... Uh, well, well, how I many three what? third downs did Dirk Cousins convert? Like four hundred. Well, and he well, it it wasn't. I mean, he had about a sixty-seven percent completion, or excuse me, conversion on third down. But I think let's take a step back here, John, because I want to go something you said two weeks ago. Um, two weeks ago, we had come off the not forty nine to come off a forty-two ten clobbering of the Cowboys. Three of us were sitting here patting yourselves mm -hmm. on the patting each other on the back, talking about is this the best team in the NFL? And John brings up a point and says, have the 49ers peaked? Are they peaking too soon? And I, I said, no, I don't think the 49ers are peaking too soon. I think they're playing, you know, great football. Um, and again, in the Cowboys game, this was a defense that had allowed only eight first downs and the Cowboys never got into the red zone. Two weeks later, it's a complete, it feels like a completely different team. Yeah. And so I, I, so I'll put it out there. Are the 49ers, and I'll throw this out for discussion. Are the 49ers seven games in the season? They're sitting at five and two. Are we at a crossroads? What are your thoughts? Crossroads. Here's how I look at it. Even if we lose to the Bengals next week or Sunday, whatever we're talking about now, um, I don't think the Niners are going to go much further down um and we've seen this team in years past get off to slow starts and then rally towards the later part of the season um i think we're going to see some adjustments coming uh, mostly after the bye i just think we have to get to the bye and kind of like get everybody reassess figure out what we can do Maybe not have so much vanilla offense, figure out the defense, and maybe not blitz as much. But I don't think it's time to panic. Um, and I don't think I don't think the Niners are are going. There's too much good leadership on that team to keep them from, you know, going down. So that's my thoughts. So I, I kind of think of uh, football games. If I compare it to a baseball season, like one football game is like equivalent to 10 baseball games because it's, you know, 160 versus 17. So 162 versus 17. So each loss is really magnified. So in the fact that two weeks ago, John, you posed that question to us and I was kind of thinking that they were kind of peaking too soon because we're used to seeing the Niners have slow starts. And I think last year at this time, they were what, three and four. So now they're five and two. If we were just to compare that, I think we'd be happy. Like if we were to take, you know, during the summer, we would say, oh, if they're five and two now, would you be happy? And I would say probably, yeah, I would be happy. But I think just the way that they started yeah. and then the way that they've come across it, it, you would, you yeah. would have expected them to be seven to no, like at this moment in time. And maybe that's just looking at it from yeah. this lens. And Aside from a couple of plays, you know, it's possible that this team could be 7-0. Yeah. But I think, you know, Brian, you talk about expectations. And we look at the talent that this team has. Uh, you know, you look at the defensive line, Bosa, Hargrave, Armstead. Uh, you look at the linebackers. You look at, you know, people in the secondary. You, you know, and, and I'm not going to go through the entire roster, but we're sitting here last night and we're wondering, okay, when are these guys going to emerge? When is the defensive line going to emerge? These are games that... You don't want to look back on in late December, early January and say, wow, if we'd beaten the Vikings, we could have had a number one seed. These are the games that bother me the most because they're games that, frankly, on paper, the Niners, I, I mean, I, 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 all credit to Minnesota. 
But the Niners on paper were a much more talented football team. And that's the the one that just those these are the games that eat at you because you feel like, you know, you let one get away in Cleveland and then you came out flat against the Vikings and now you've got two losses in a row. Yeah. Well, do you think they're at a crossroads? I think they are at a crossroads right now. I think right now it's like, what is the identity of this team? And the two things that I'll say is, yes, the 49ers started out 5-0. and um, They were clobbering their competition. But when it's come down to uh, winning a game uh, in tough circumstances, when you have to move the ball and you have to score points, in two weeks in a row, the 49ers have failed to do that. And right now, the knock on Purdy is that he can't win a game under those circumstances. Uh, so now those are the pundits talking. I, I, you know, we have seen what Purdy can do uh, in the past right now, but I think right now the, this, uh, this Bengals game is turning into a little bit more of a must win for the 49ers heading into the bye, particularly because we've got folks like Debo Samuel, who we don't know. I mean, it, it's been called two to three weeks, but I'm not going to say hairline fracture heals that fast. But the, the 49ers need to get a win, I think, number one, to gain confidence, and they need to get some momentum going into that bye week. So, yeah, I would say the 49ers are at a better crossroads at this point. We're seven games into so, the season. I have a question for you guys. Let me ask you, which one is more disappointing? Because I was thinking about this. What's more disappointing, the offense not coming around or the defense giving up almost 400 yards last night or over 400 yards? Which, which is more disappointing in your eyes? The defense. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I've run two and a half miles <laughs> for Nick Bosa. That needs to be more. Um, it yeah. needs more. Um, yeah, I just, I thought, I thought Kirk Cousins had one of his best games ever as a pro. He looked really good last night. Um, he did. The Niners just didn't close it down. And I think there's... You know, maybe part of it is because Bosa wasn't in camp or, or things like that. They just, they don't really see the, the front four should be, should be getting home a lot more and not having to blitz as much as they are. So that's, I think, kind of the big, the big disappointment, um, at least for me. So, Tim, anything to add? Yeah, I'm going to be the same way because if you look at the money they paid Bosa, you look at the money they paid Hargrave. We've seen what Armstead can do. Um, they bring in Randy Gregory. We had expected some development out of Drake Jackson. Uh, but as you said, John, the front four, they were not getting home last night. Uh, at, and when they did get pressure on him, uh, John, you're absolutely right. Uh, Kirk Cousins was magnificent. And I think it started early in the, um, in the first quarter. Uh, the 49ers, you know, had fumbled. CMC had fumbled the ball. Uh, but they had backed the Vikings up on their own nine-yard line, and it was third and 12. And you thought, well, this is where the Niners are going to pin their ears back and rush the passer. But the Niners were seemed to be playing kind of a soft zone. The middle consistently yeah. uh, seemed to be open. Uh, but Cousins goes back, um, and you know he hits his tight end, Hawkinson, who just seemed to be everywhere last night. But that soft middle was was seem to be open the entire game. Uh, so when you get, you know, when, when you convert a third and 12 on your own nine, that gets your offense rolling. And as you said, John, it seemed like every third down, Cousins found a way to get the ball to the receiver or they'd have a big play. So uh, right now, I think the 49ers have 12 sacks. I think they're tied for, you know, I don't remember the exact, um, uh, the exact uh, order in which they are, but they've got one of the lowest sacks in the league right now. I know sacks don't always tell the whole story. It's about pressures uh, and it's about making the quarter comfortable. But this is a question mark that they have to address with that front four right now because we're not seeing um, in the last, I'd say not only this game, but to an extent in Cleveland, even P.J. Walker seemed to be doing well yeah, against the Niners right. defense. Yeah. We had another question before we get into some of the other stuff for the game is, you know, has Brock hit a plateau? You know, is is this is this how we're going to see the most out of out of Brock going forward? Tim, your thoughts? Right now, he did play better than he did against Cleveland, but he had two interceptions, uh, one of which to end the game. The, the first interception, 
I think he and Jennings were not on the same page. Uh, he threw it where he felt Jennings was going to be. Uh, I know he's rushed on that throw. The last, the last one, I, I think he's got to throw, and I don't know if he's got to throw a better ball in that uh, circumstance, but you know, there were still 30 seconds left. They were on the 40. Um, it was, it was, I think it was second down cause they had yeah. clocked it. I'm just going to verify that, but he, he tried to float one to Ray Ray and Ray Ray had three Viking defenders right around him. So I think Brock has to have better game awareness in that regard, because if it wasn't there, throw it away. You know, you still have, a, yeah. you still have opportunities on third and potentially fourth down. So that's why I didn't like how he threw the ball, how he threw the ball there. So has he hit a plateau? I'd say over the last two games, yeah, but that doesn't mean he doesn't break out of it. Um, he's just had two rough games right now, and I think we're seeing this because teams have figured out that the way to beat the 49er offense is you put eight men in the box, you take away the edges, you you blitz aggressively on first down, you put them in a second and eight, you put them in a second and twelve, and then. On third down, you got to win those battles. And that's been working against the 49ers these last two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, that run game is definitely not not helping. You know, CMC, I know he got hurt. Um, but they you're right. I think they've really been containing the eight men in the box. So it's stopping the run game, which is definitely not helping Brock kind of just, just keep him going. And um, has he hit a plateau? Probably at this moment in time, yes. But he should break out of it. I mean, he's got a he's got some really strong people around him who are guiding him. So yeah, I mean, every every player is gonna hit a rough spot. Um, you know, regardless if it's pitching or shooting or uh, running, rushing, like it, he it just happens to be his his downtime. And um, you know, hopefully, uh, Cincinnati the run game will open up, which will open up his passing lanes. So I'm kind of hoping that's just gonna happen next Sunday. So, what about you, John? Yeah. I don't think he's hit a plateau. I actually was was pretty impressed with some of the throws he made last night, especially to to oh, Kittle. Yeah. Um, there were some really nice uh, dives in there. Where I'm really actually starting to shake my head at, we've seen this happen before. Is Kyle Shanahan sometimes just gets like he just fixates on a, a certain thing or a certain idea. And just won't get off of it. He did that with Garoppolo. Uh, he's obviously he's doing it right now with with CMC. And it's like they're gonna every team in the NFL is gonna blitz the hell out of you until unless you make them pay. And how have the other teams against the Niners? Well, they've done screens. They've done underneath routes. You know, last night Brock's yards per attempt were nine point one, which is bigger than Cousins. Like. There's nothing wrong with Dinkin and Duncan, especially when you have some of these guys who can run after the catch. And I don't buy this argument like, well, if Debo was there, we'd run the bubble screen. I'm like, Christopher McCaffrey hit a screen went all the way to the house. Like, it's just, this is where he drives me a little bit nuts. He's supposed to be the world's most creative play caller. And it's like, show us how you get around the blitz. Like, it doesn't just have to be establish a run i have to do it my way and impose my will like like you can actually hit some slants you can hit some five yard tosses you know you can do you know mccaffrey on a screen you can do use check on a screen kittle would do a screen that's the thing i think that that's gonna end up plateauing brock purdy is how kyle calls the game yeah good one so. No, and, yeah, and I'm not. I'm not disputing you, John. Like you said, you know, we we saw that, as you said, with Garoppolo, we saw it in 2021, where it seemed like Debo Samuel was the entire offense uh, going through, at least for the you know for the latter part of the year uh, through through the playoffs. So I agree. I think that Debo losing Debo obviously hurts because of what he brings to the to the offense. Um, as I mentioned in the last podcast, his speed, his strength, and power to get those extra yards. It's something the Niners obviously miss, uh, but I, I do think you can compensate for that, as you said, spreading the field a little bit more, um, hitting Ayuk on quick slants, you know, moving the chains, keeping the defense guessing, um, because we haven't seen it. He seems like, I'm going to run CMC on first down, I dare you to stop me. Well, the last two weeks, we've dared two defenses, and they've said, 
well, we'll, we'll triple dog dare you back to keep doing it. So it hasn't, it hasn't been working out. So I think that has also impacted just the tempo of the offense that we saw for the first five weeks. Uh, the last two games, the Niners haven't gotten any sort of rhythm. And you talked about John with their timing. So I agree with you. I think Kyle needs to shake things up uh, a bit. So we'll see if another candidate merges. We'll see what the injury report will be uh, later this week. Um, and we'll see if he can if he can explore some other options with Ray Ray or Ryan Bell. Uh, we'll have to see. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the game. Review our our keys to victory. The number one was get healthy. Well, we got one guy back. I got to give, yeah, at least gold star. I mean, CMC played 59 snaps, played every single offensive snap. Um, I think about one. Total warrior, uh, but no Debo, no Trent. Uh, but, you know, obviously he counted for two touchdowns, so we were able to get, to get that one. Uh, the offense, I mean, in my opinion... Uh, I thought they were more back in rhythm than Cleveland. What did you guys think? Uh, I would say, well, the McCaffrey fumble didn't help. And the Jake Moody field goal miss no. obviously didn't help. Uh, That's yeah. 10 points right there. Um, but I, I do think, I think one of you were saying that he did look, Brock did look a little better in his throws. So... He did connect um, a few times with like Kittle and Jennings, but I um, for the two that got away. But I think he, I think, I think he played much better. Um, yeah, I mean, two hundred eighty-two yeah. yards of throwing. So, Tim, what do you think? I would say, I'd say it was an improvement, but the the pace of the game was dictated by the Minnesota offense. I, I think I don't remember what exact, but how many how many drives of more than ten plays that, that Minnesota have? That's that's keeping the Niners' offense off the field. So when you're on the sidelines that long, it's hard to get in into any sort of tempo. So, so I'll say, yeah, it was an improvement, but you know, at the end of the day, you look up at the scoreboard and you still lose by five, and you had two chances in the fourth quarter to uh, potentially take the lead. So um, improvement, yes, but still uh, a loss. So you're saying it's like. When you're 20 pounds overweight and you lose a pound, you feel a little bit better for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I think I, I've, if that's an analogy, I said I would have lost five but gained six. So that's okay. kind of how I'm looking. Gotcha. At. Well, another key to victory was pressure cousins. Oh, <laughs> it just didn't happen. I, I mean, hats off to Kurt Cousins. Yeah. I've really started to like him after watching the quarterback documentary on Netflix. Um, super humble guy. I could see why, you know, way back when, why Kyle wanted him as a quarterback. Um, but yeah, he, he just, he played lights out. Um, and the Niners never, never got that. There was one play last night where he literally was surrounded by like the entire yeah, yeah, yeah. defensive front yeah. of the Niners. Yeah. And somehow escaped. And through for a third down, I'm like, it's not hard. <laughs> yeah. It's just not. Yeah. Uh, so that didn't happen. And then the keep turnovers positive. Oh. Yeah, that didn't happen either. Did they... um, you know, CMC fumbled. Well, Brock had two interceptions. Um, and Chaveri should add two, but. Well, I think we, and I think we got to talk about that play because that, that turned out to be such a critical part of the game when you know the the vikings had the ball it was it was it was 16 seconds left uh it was third and six for the vikings they had one timeout left and steve wilkes brings our defensive coordinator brings a blitz and you know looking at the play i mean immediately i thought charvarius ward had an interception only to see unfortunately <laughs> addison raced 60 yards um you know, to, to the house, but, uh, so yeah, was it, it was a little bit of a fluke. I'll, I'll grant, I'll grant that. Um, but at the same time, why was 16 seconds left in the half? You're down, down three. All you need is a stop to go into the locker room and you're getting the ball in the second. Half. Why is Wilkes bringing that blitz and that situation? I didn't agree with the call. I would have rushed four, uh, and dropped seven. 
yes, I know Cousins was having a good night, but I'll take my chances with my secondary. Keep everything in front of you. Because uh, Ward had no safety help, obviously, because he, you know, the guy raced to the end zone. So what, what were your thoughts on, on the blitz? Because it obviously didn't get the Cousins. He threw a great ball. Um, but I, I did not like, I did not like blitzing in that situation. Well, when I was watching, I didn't actually really know it was a blitz. I mean, okay. I was like, oh, we're about to sack him. Oh, he throws it. Oh, Tremorous is there. Oh, he's going to lie. Wait, wait. Isn't there someone behind him? Yeah. What? Yeah. That was basically my reaction to it. So it was because we had the momentum. Yeah. Um, it was just it was just really disappointing. I mean, there's a million things that could have happened. Tremorous could have just knocked it down. Um, but I just, I just chalk it up as like, if I was Steve Wilkes, I was just trying to send a message to Kirk Cousins and plan him. Like I get her understand the logic, but at the end of the day, I think he just made a bad call. So, and I don't, I don't know if, if Cousins actually made a really good play, a really good pass. I think Addison just made a really good grab and steal away from Traverius Ward. So mm-hmm. I can't take that yeah, away from he, Madison. He, oh, he he killed us. And um Yeah. So yeah, I mean I didn't I was I'm like John, I think I was probably focusing on on just kind of watching the play at hand. I didn't know they sent the house on cousins, but yeah, I did expect someone to be behind um Ward and and definitely surprised to not see anyone there to pick him up. Yeah, Gip is usually back yeah. there just like hanging out. But yeah, it is it is what it is. And so yeah, CMC's fumble was another one that was that was odd. Um and then yeah, the the two Purdy interceptions. The one at the one with to Jawan, like you said, it just looks like he was not on the other page. And then the last one, I think he just forced it. And that's just one of those things like that'll come through maturity. You know, hopefully sooner rather than later. But yeah, I, I just, you know, he still had 30 seconds. Gotta get those turnovers turned up. So, so we'll move on to our, our stars of the game. On the 49ers, I got nobody. Would you go with the green? Well, do any Niners uh, get stars? Uh, you know what? I'll give, I'll give, I'll give one to CMC. The, uh, yes, he had a fumble, but he also scored two touchdowns. So, um, and he played hurt. And he played all. He played hurt. So I'll, I'll give it to. I'll CMC. give him that one too. That was the only one I was going to say. <laughs> so, all right, I'll, I'll give one to CMC. Um, I'll give an honorable mention to Jake Moody, who came in and banged a fifty-five yard field goal after missing out two in a row. So he gets an honorable I will, mention. I will say I was kind of um, planning to give one to Javarius Ward after he had that pick. You know. And then he just gave up that. <laughs> so that one's that one's gone. Well, your star was a race. It's a decal. We're just taking it back. But uh, very, we have not this year. But occasionally, you have to take your hats off to Zion. Um, two Vikings get stars of the game. Um, yeah, Kirk Cousins um, and Jordan Addison. Kirk Cousins was electric last night. Tim, what was it? What was the stats? Like 378 yards passing. That was it. Um, I'm looking it up right now, but uh, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, oh, that's actually in the first. Sorry, I was gonna say 212. That was only in the first half. So yeah, he had 378. To, uh, yeah, so yeah. 378 yards, 378. Yeah, and, but John, I think you also. I know Addison had you know two big, uh, two big, uh, two big uh, touchdown receptions. Yeah. I think Hawkinson, their tight end, played phenomenal. He's he's yeah. an Iowa grad, like George Kittle. Uh, 11 receptions, 86 yards. He was constantly o- open over the middle. So I think we have to give stars uh, to that. that and I, and well. I didn't, yeah. and I didn't realize yeah. the, the uh, Vikings, they traded for Cam Akers from the Rams. So yeah, I'm surprised to see he got a couple grabs over there. Yeah. And on, on just another note for the NFL, George Kittle should actually play on National Tight Ends Day, not on the Monday after National <laughs> Tight Ends Day. I'm like, no, I just I thought that was a little that was a little weird. So, where can we improve? Where do well, we want to see? Where do we want to start? We do, well, we don't have to listen to that 
damn horn that was kept blowing every time the Vikings made a play. I mean, that thing was driving me up the wall. But um, all right, well, yeah, I think we start with the run defense, and this was a surprise to me, you know, given the talent we have on 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 the defensive line. But teams are basically setting the Niners up by exploiting their wide nine. Uh, they're running uh, between uh, the uh, the defensive end and the defensive tackle, and they're picking up you know three four yards. And Minnesota is one of the worst rushing teams in the NFL. Um, but as Troy Aikman put it better, it's like they didn't have to dominate the run; they just had to establish it because that kept the Niners off balance all night. I think that's one of the reasons that uh, the Niners were not able to get consistent pressure uh, on Cousins. If you're putting Cousins in a second and long. I think it's a much different ball, ball game, obviously. But right now, Steve Wilkes has got so he, he's got some leaks to fill right now. So we'll, we'll have to see what he does against uh, the Bengals. But that's been we saw that uh, again. The, you know, the, the Cleveland uh, was able to run the ball effectively against the Niners, and the Vikings were able to run the ball effectively against the Niners. So um, I don't know if it's stacking the box a little bit more like other teams have uh, against uh, the San Francisco offense, but uh, they're going to make some adjustments. Brian, other places Ooh, that we the offensive from? line. Um, I think one, it's not giving mm. Purdy enough time to make his progressions, to make his throws. So a lot of those two picks. I mean, he's he's uh, easily. I think he could have. Um, it would be nice if he had some. Um, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, if he had less pressure on him, and then I think two, it, it's they're not really opening up running lanes for Christian McCaffrey. So, I mean, I know he's getting his yards or he's getting some of his yards, but they're just not like the same that you've been used to seeing, like the hundred plus that he's been, he had been getting um, up to there. So I think, um, you know, and then hopefully getting Trent Williams back. Yeah. That would be a big thing too. Yeah. For me, and this has been a theme with Kyle Shanahan for a while, finishing football games. Uh, last week, Cleveland couldn't get it done. Jake, Jake misses it. This week, we still had a chance to win at the game. And, you know, we had two real good chances with that drive. You know, we had Juwan Jennings falls down. The last one were, were interception. So that that's places I want to yep. you know, see improved. One last question on the places to improve for both you guys. Trade deadline's coming up. You know, this time last year, Niners, you know, were kind of stuck. You know, we ended up getting CMC. Tim, you see anybody coming in that will put a little more vigor into the Niners? The only thing I could potentially see is maybe another D lineman. Uh, because why? I know they brought in Randy Gregory. I know they're expecting more from Drake Jackson, but... I don't think we've seen the compliment to Bosa uh, emerge yet, and that could be a possibility. Uh, Niners do have a number of draft picks that uh, they can uh, leverage uh, a potential trade. But I don't. I I think you know, even though he he didn't put up a lot of stats, I thought Ebucom last year was a great compliment to Bosa, in which he could at least uh, help collapse the pocket, and that greatly, I think, helped Bosa not only get off some double teams, but obviously helped his uh, his sack numbers. So that's a possibility right now um, because the defensive line right now has been, let's just call it what it is, it's been a disappointment considering the two um, between uh, the acquisition of Hargrave and, and Bosa's uh, contract. Brian? You know, I was thinking they probably needed to look up maybe another safety or corner. Um and maybe that's just looking at the game through jaded eyes because I expected, you know, them to be playing better. But um, probably giving it some thought to what Tim said, I think you definitely need to get someone who's going to get more pressure um, up front because I think if you do that, then it makes life easier for your your DBs and your corners and your safeties um, all around. So, yeah, I'm going to second that, Tim, and go with uh, another lineman who can complement both on the other side. Um, stack it up. Yeah, I have I have two. One, I is I agree the the defensive lineman, the the big name that sticks out is Brian Byrne from Carolina, um, because Carolina's not won any games. You're in full rebuild mode. Uh, he's gonna be a free agent at the end of the year, so it's like, yeah, 
know, I mean, get something for them because you're going to get nothing now. The other would be another offensive weapon, probably another wide receiver. Uh, Debo, as much as I don't think he's, he's awesome. He is, he hasn't been super healthy in the last two seasons. So, uh, I think another wide receiver to compliment Ayuk. Uh, you know, I don't see Devontae Adams getting traded, but I just remember, you know, when Emmanuel Sanders came over, yeah. when CMC has come over, the offense just finds another oh, yeah. gear. So I think uh, another offensive weapon, you know, somebody who might be a little bit older, uh, more established, would would be would be helpful. I mean, Ayuk's been awesome. Uh, but yeah, I, the only wide receiver that comes to mind right now is Devontae Adams, but I don't know, Tim, can you think of anybody else? Uh, off the top of my head, no, but I, I, I agree with you that, you know, uh, in 2019, when they did bring in Sanders that spread the offense around so much, um, you know, it was, it was going to be such a challenge to cover the 49ers. And, you know, we, when we were watching them earlier this year, particularly I brought it against the Cowboys, but. They would spread out the Cowboy defense. Like, all right, well, you're going to cover Debo, you're going to cover Ayuk, you're going to cover Kittle, or you're going to cover CMC. You can't cover all of them. You're going to have to commit to some. So, you know, I've said before, I think that's why the Debo injury has hurt the Niners uh, from the inability to stretch the field, to run those jet sweeps, uh, to make the defense get on their heels a little bit more. But um, it's possible. I just don't know of any receivers that uh, teams like, you know, the Raiders would be willing to give up on somebody like Devontae Adams. And if they did, they want a pretty, pretty high uh, price tag. And let's, yep. we'd often have to take into account what's the 49ers salary cap right now. Could they actually, you know, afford to bring in someone that high profile? We got 40 mil, babe. <laughs> Is that enough? <laughs> oh, um, well, let's let's go on to more disappointing news, which is my betting. <laughs> so for the third week in a row, I laid yet another goose egg. I was over 0 and 4, team 23 and 1. Oh boy. So um yeah, so the Dolphins plus two over the Eagles. This was actually pretty decently close until Tua decided to turn it over. Um, L.A. Rams minus three over the Steelers. T.J. Watt basically decided to just ruin my ruin my day. Um, Cleveland minus two over the Colts. As much as my fellow referees tried to help me <laughs> out at the very end of the game, instead of kicking a field goal, they went for two, which would have covered it, and they didn't get it. Um, and then Detroit. Apparently, just forgot how to play football on their way to Baltimore. So they um, left the game plan on the plane. They left the game plan on the plane. It's such a week to week league. So, but apparently, um, every every public bet that was like eighty over eighty percent lost this week. So, you know, like the Niners. So, um, so the sports books have cleaned up. So, um. So yeah, so but we're going we're we're soldiering on. Um, so for for those of you who want to bet against me and continue your winning ways, um, <laughs> this week's we're gonna go. Um, so my strategy before has been to go and look at uh, DVOA and try to see on spreads. It's worked for me in the past, which is why I've, I've been doing it. And look at like teams that are in the top tier and teams that are like three or four tiers low, and they look for a smaller spread. Um, but that hasn't been working, so we're we're shifting gears a little bit. I'm going with home teams and bigger spreads because the home teams have won a decent amount this this year, and the bigger spreads because the, the they've been really close uh, a lot of these. So I only have three this week. Um, the commanders plus six and a half over the Eagles. Uh, so, um, Tim, I'm betting on, on the, the Washington commanders. Um, that's okay. Daniel Snyder is no longer here. That's right. Um, and Jets and Giants, I'm going over 36. Uh, I don't think this is going to be a complete defensive game. And it's basically a home team for both teams or home game. And, 
Um, Cleveland and Seattle, I'm just betting under 40 because both defenses are playing pretty well right now, and neither offenses. I mean, P.J. Walker, and I don't know what Deshaun Watson's deal is. So, so yeah, so that, that's that's where I'm going. I'm, you know, hopefully turning it around. I got I got a lot more weeks to go, like 10. So, but as always, this brings us to Niners trivia time with Brian, which um, I believe might be stripes. Yeah. Got stripes, right, with the Bengals. I'm, th- I'm sensing a WKRP <laughs> theme here. Well, I decided. I, I was making it a little more uh, difficult as of late. So I'm going to throw you some softballs this week and see if you guys can get them. Oh, thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay. Cause we're down. We're, we're not, we're not feeling good. We don't want to be kicked, kicked around uh, anymore. You know. right, well, fire away. I'll, I'll just say <laughs> when Brian gives us softballs, the Niners win. So there you go. Look, what we'll start. Which, which city do the Niners play? They're playing Cincinnati <laughs> this week at home. Okay. Okay. All right. Anyway, so um, the great right. Bill Walsh was an assistant for the Cincinnati Bengals organization from 68 to 75. What is the most successful quarterback he had in that system when he was their uh, offensive assistant? I'm going Ken Anderson. I was going to say Ken Anderson, but I don't know if that's, I want to say there was another quarterback whose name escapes me, but I'll go Ken Anderson okay. like John. All right. Um, I should tell you what. I'll say Greg Cook. Greg Cook. I've never even heard that name before. Okay. Greg Cook. So obviously it's not the answer. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Number two. Uh, in the 1981-82 Super Bowl 16, what caused where were the Niners? Where the Niners were playing the Cincinnati Bengals. What caused the 49ers to arrive 90 minutes before kickoff of that game? Vice President Bush's motorcade. I was going to say Jack Hacksaw Reynolds was already <laughs> dressed and said, get on the bus. <laughs> All right. Final answer, Tim? That's right. my final answer. Hacksaw Reynolds, I got that for you, John. All right. Number three in the... 1988-89 Super Bowl 23, where Tim Kremerai from the Cincinnati uh, Bengals lineman broke his leg. Which 49ers yeah. tackle also broke his leg in the game? Or Steve Wallace. Yeah, whatever Tim says. <laughs> Final answer, Tim? Okay. All yeah. Right. Bubba Paris replaced him. Number still on Harris Parton was point. on the Harris Parton was on the other side in the other tackle. He didn't <laughs> shave that day. <laughs> uh, I even still remember the commercials that were on TV that for that Super Bowl. Um, it also had the wor- worst halftime show ever. It, whenever they ranked the worst Super Bowl halftime shows, Super Bowl twenty three is always number one. What was the halftime show? It was this Elvis impersonator, and you're supposed to buy these special oh, yeah. glasses at like a 7-Eleven. Oh. It's supposed to be 3D, yeah. and it was absolutely horrible. Did you guys get him? I did not. I <laughs> no. watched it in re- regular 2D. I was more concerned about the fact that it was tied 3-3, and I was going to have a heart attack at age 13. Okay. Tim, Tim, was, <laughs> Tim was alone in a room watching it by himself. And not much has changed in over 40 years. So, John, you, your mom, your dad were in the, what, living room watching the game while Tim's stuck in his room? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Everybody was a little bit happier. Let's just say the intensity was at 11.2 billion. All right. Num- number four. Next question. All right. This is a two-parter. Um, what was the stadium where the Bengals played previously before Paul Brown Stadium slash Paycor Stadium today. What was that name? And who did they share that with? Okay. That's part one. And number two. Okay. All right. When did the Niners first play at their new stadium? Uh, I'm going to go with, they played at Bengals Stadium. (laughs) (laughs) And they first played at the new stadium in 2008. 
Uh, they shared Riverfront Stadium with the Cincinnati Reds. And I believe they played their first game at Paul Brown Stadium. I'm going to say 2001. Did it? Bigger part, I'll say 2003. Did they win or lose? Let me, I've just. They lost. Okay. Right. They lost. That's it. All right. That's it. Final answer. I, that is Tim's final answer because I know the way he, uh, his mind works. So, <laughs> all right, moving on. All right. Well, this week we're trying something new. Pleased to welcome to Niners Talk, our very first guest uh, from Cincinnati, Brian Volpenheim, who goes by Volp. Uh, Brian's Weird little thing to fame is his grandfather, Alvanadalestra. Uh, he also won an Olympic gold medal, but I thought the Alester stuff was more interesting to our listeners. So, anyway, Volt, hey, man, man, welcome to the show. Me. It's good to see you. Cool. So, Cincinnati Bengals. Tell us a little bit about <laughs> how you became a fan, some memories, uh, and if you like Clear Calling as well. I would. I did. I grew up in that era. So I grew up in Cincinnati and we grew up a Bengals fan, but I was like, um, I kind of guess when I really got into it was, you know, the boomer Esiason era, the later, like going into the, um, 89 Super Bowl, uh, uh, like with Icky Woods and James Woods and, um, you know, those, that, that crowd. And, uh, so that was that was a fun time yep. to be a Bengals fan, you know. Like Welcome to the Jungle, that was like a big one then. Who Day, all that. So that was a fun time to be a fan. But we always, but we still, you know, we never really won the Super Bowl. Church choked. Too close, yeah. You know, and so it's like I have memories of the Niners and Bengals games. I the funny, the, the strangest memories I have of the Bengals are they're all injuries. Like I very uh, strong memory of Trum Rise ankle. And when they in, and, yeah, oh. ooh, yeah, let's. It's is that one awful? Yeah, that one's like seared in my memory. And then when they, they yeah, oh the yeah, team that yeah. hurt yeah. Jackson. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, the ninety the ninety AFC playoffs uh, Bengals yeah. at the Raiders. So, and then there was it was a lot of down period. So, how are you feeling about the Bengals this year? Uh. And the golden calf it's of been Joe Burrow. Like I, I think they're pretty good still. And I was surprised at how much his injury actually affected them. That I was surprised by that. Um, shows you how uh, how important a guy like that is. Uh, but I think they're going to be just fine. I yeah. I think he came back too soon. You know, I feel like a nagging injury like that, you worry about. You think he came back too soon? Yeah. Like I would have said, I think you sit him out because I was saying you, um, when you come back like a nagging injury like that, like there's always a risk of it like affecting how you do things. And so I hope that doesn't like turn into bad habits or like make them worse later in the season. You never quite heal right if you don't like recover the right way. Yeah. Uh, no. I mean, there's been more talk about his golden calf than when Moses was holding the Ten Commandments. So Bengals had a had a run in the '80s, and then there was a pretty big dry spell between uh, their last playoff victory, which I think was in '91, until I think just a couple of years ago, where they finally broke through uh, and made it to the Super Bowl. How do you just sort of maintain that fandom, uh, just from you know, from a Cincinnati perspective? I mean, what 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 kind of keeps you going? I guess is it just eternal hope, like, uh, like you're a Cubs or a Red Sox fan, or is just curious how, how how do you maintain loyalty? It becomes like a lovable thing, like you just love them, even though sometimes they're just terrible and they break your heart, and you just want to still like it becomes part of the identity, and you just have you know, I have no choice, I have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you see Volt the YouTube video someone put together like Bengals win, everyone goes nuts, and there's like nuns crying in it. People are just like, 
running around the snow and hugging children. And it's just like, what it's like to be a fan. No. Oh, <laughs> I have not seen that. So how are you feeling about the Bengals coming off the bye, playing the Niners? I think, I think I actually feel pretty good about it. I think it'll be good for Burrow. They're not, they haven't been like firing on all cylinders and like the time has been off. It's been a little bit inconsistent. So I think that'll give him some more time to sort of get some of that and heal his calf a little bit more. But I do think the Niners are going to be pissed off and going to come out pretty hot. And you guys are, are a pretty talented team. So I, it makes me nervous. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a pretty good game. Um, you know, it's, I think the Bengals have a pretty good defense. They have two really good young corners and Joe Burrow is one of those guys who knows how to find a way to win. Yeah. I mean, the, this, the Bengals, despite their record, there's a reason why they went to the Super Bowl two years ago. There's a reason why they're in the AFC championship a year ago. Uh, they've gotten off to a slow start, but like, I think like, like pulpit said, the injury to Burrow, uh, has been an obstacle that they, you know, have, have had to work through, but they're coming off two wins uh, you know, against both Arizona uh, and uh, Seattle. They're coming off a, a bye week uh, as well. So, you know, I know Burroughs has has started off uh, strong, but you know, this is you know, this is a talented football team that still believes that knows how to win. Uh, and when I look across at that uh, defense, uh, the one guy that I think really stands out to me is Trey Hendrickson. Uh, he's he's got seven sacks uh, on the year. Um, and that's almost half of what 49ers have uh, uh, thus far. So I think it's going to be a close game. you got two talented football teams. I think both kind of at a crossroads right now. Um, the run defense hasn't really been there this year. I know they're averaging, they're giving up about a, almost 140, over 140 yards per game. Um, so I know the Niners are really going to be sticking it to them. I'm guessing with like, you know, a heavy dose of McCaffrey and, and, and Jordan Mason on our side. But how do you think, the the Bengals can can counteract some of you know giving up these heavy yards like what do you think they can they can do to probably stop the Niners run game on Sunday <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's a good question I don't know for, if it were me, I would just blitz all the time. I would blitz all the time. Well, that worked last night with the Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would just blitz and like expect that you're going to give up a couple big ones and just hope that uh, you can stop them if they get into the red zone. Well, is there a way people in Cincinnati sing, say Bengals like they do here in Philly, like Eagles? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we uh, Bengals. No, it is. It's a hard A, Bangle. Um, I, I have, I have a person, I, I have, a, I have a personal question for, for, for Volp. Have you ever tried to do the icky shuffle personally and how did it turn out? I have. Yes. I'm not very good at it. It was when I was much younger though. So even I had even less rhythm than I do now. Well, well, icky was on just a commercial recently, right? Where he was at a, at a grocery store and then he, he, uh, did it. Yeah. And he did the icky shuffle you know, and then he. He threw that that deli meat on the ground. So, uh, who are your like favorite players? Achilles Smith, Chad Chad Johnson, right? So he was there at that time. But yeah, what what was your Achilles. like? What was your memories of them in the in the two thousands and uh, you know coming up to in the twenty tens? Like, oh, was that your favorite? Uh, who are, who are your some of your favorite players back then? Yeah, from that era, I think Ocho Cinco is probably the top, the guy you know, and uh, the guy that I, everybody liked. Uh, everybody else, it was always just, it was kind of a dark period back then. It was like, uh, you just never got, you never got the sense that you were going to, you were going to win with that, with those teams, but they were somehow still somewhat fun, fun to watch. Well, how about this? What is your favorite Bengal memory of all time? Would it be making the Super Bowl And when you, as you said, in uh, the 89 championship, would it be 
beating the beating the Chiefs uh, in overtime two years ago. I think it's one of the older ones. I think it's actually uh, just, I mean, getting beat by Montana on a on a game winning drive. That's like, yeah, and that kind of sums up being a Bengals fan. I think it's like you know what? At least we got to witness that. That's your best memory. <laughs> <laughs> wow i admire your ability to withstand pain i think that what makes a championship rower i don't know if i can share in that sentiment where i would look somebody like a kansas city chief and say man i loved it when patrick mahomes broke my heart but kudos to you my friend uh, well that's something we all shared common now is it <laughs> uh, <laughs> um <laughs> so, would it be possible for the Bengals to make Taylor Swift cry this year? Oh, I would love it. I would love it. I hope we get to that point. Um. So, last but not least, so when you watch these games now that we're of an advanced age, um, so what do you do? You just you just watch them in a darkened room by yourself? Is there family? Have you? Have you made your children become Bengals fans? Yeah. No, no, I wa I watch them alone, and my family's not that into football, and so I have to like either watch them on my iPad in the bedroom, or I like if I'm lucky, I get to watch them on the TV. And the hard part too is I don't I don't get a lot of Bengals games where I've been living, so it's hard to find them on TV. Well, you'll be able to hopefully watch this one. So, and thankfully, yesterday, uh, the Niners lost. So I don't have to keep eating chicken wings to make sure they keep winning. But is there any football food? I know you've got the chef background. Any football food you guys like to, to have? I mean, there's obviously the chili on the noodle. We do. Yeah, we do a, ch a chili dip. It's basically uh, Skyline chili on top of cream cheese uh and they covered in cheddar and then you eat it with corn chips and you like bake it and they eat it with corn chips we may have to get the recipe on that one i'm, I'm kind of i'm kind of hungry right now <laughs> well volt uh thanks for being on niners talk this is awesome catching up and hearing hearing that we all share the the great fandom that is football and good luck to your team yeah man Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, this is great. I just, I think it just goes to show that in a polarized nation, Bengals and 49ers fans can come together and talk <laughs> about football. There's hope for us all. There is. Exactly. Cool. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, want to thank Volt for uh, for joining us on this Niners talk. So let's let's sweep that Vikings game under the rug and move on to Bengals week. So uh, as we were talking earlier with Volt, uh, Bengals are coming off a victory in a bye week. Now that we don't have a Cincinnati Bengals fan in the room, how are we feeling? Uh, I feel the Niners, frankly, just need to come out and reestablish themselves uh, as the team we saw through the first uh, five weeks. Uh, sound defense. Um, offense that, frankly, can hit you from multiple different, from multiple different ways. Um, keeping their own defense, keeping the, the opposing team's defense uh, off balance and guessing. We haven't seen that in the last two weeks. So, um for all intents and purposes, you're going into uh, a bye week and you want to get momentum. So I'm circling this game as, um, okay, you're seven games in. This one, this is a must win. Brian? I think the, I think the Niners can exploit the, uh, the Bengals defense. The, the defense of the Bengals is like, they're pretty close to the bottom, um, giving up almost 355 yards per game. Um, I think if, if, the Niners can reestablish their run game, um, get some solid uh, protection around uh, Purdy, and if and if Purdy can connect, uh, you know, with Kittle and and Ayuk and Jennings, um, I think he's going to make. They're going to make it a long day for the Bengals. So um, 
you know, there, there are some exploitable uh, items here on the defense, which the Niners can do. And as we mentioned before, the Bengals are giving up 142 rushing yards a, a game. So definitely want to take advantage of that. Yeah, I think one of the things that's nice about this week is that yeah. we're back at home. Um, you know, I think the Niners should have stayed east last week, uh, even though they had an extra day. I think they get a lot out of that. Um, but it's, I think it's going to be nice to get back to Levi's, back to home field. Cincinnati is going to come all the way west. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to... You know, the Cincinnati D's been hit or miss. They played well against Seattle. They didn't play well against um, some of the other teams. Joe Burrow is a mystery right now. Um, he's played really, really well, and he's played really, really badly. Uh, but Jamar Chase is, is still an elite receiver. Um, he's got he's wearing a 7-11 chain because he's always open. Uh, so I think it'll be a test, but I think it's a, a test that the Niners – can pass and i think i think getting home is going to really help uh so let's look our keys to victory uh first is uh getting the defense right second is getting back to levi's third is turnovers let's get them back to positive and uh fourth is don't let joe burrow beat you it's same as against the vikings just gotta put them on the ground uh because we've seen it when he played a uh, Gets them the last time in Cincinnati. Niners were pretty in control of that game, and Joe Burrow brought him back. So, any final thoughts on the Bengals, or we'll hear uh, from Brian. Let's hear the trivia results, and then we'll do final res- final thoughts. All yeah. right. Question number one: uh, Who was the quarterback um, when Bill Walsh was an offensive assistant over on the Bengals? Uh, Tim and John, both of you. No, Tim, you said Greg Cook. I, I said Greg Cook, and I re- regret my answer. Uh, John had it right at Ken Anderson. So Ken Anderson was the guy. John yes. gets one. <laughs> That's when they had those really dumb humble, the helmets that just said bingles yeah. on them. It was pretty intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number two, what is the... Um, what caused a delay uh, for the Niners getting to the Pontiac Silverdome for Super Bowl 16? Tim, you are right. That George H.W. Bush motorcade. That's what uh, caused it. Uh, but Jack Hacksaw Reynolds was dressed. Oh, he was dressed like the night before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Number three. Um, which, uh, which San Francisco uh, tackle uh, broke their... Um, broke their ankle. Uh, yes, it was Steve Wallace. So, Tim, you got that right there. I don't know how you remember that. I didn't even remember that. So, I I, I read and watch way too much uh, on the Niners' history. Or is there such a thing as too much watching and reading Niners' history? Apparently not, because I don't seem to ever really stop doing it. Nope. Uh, number four, what stadium did the Bengals play at before uh, Before they started playing at their current stadium? And then when did the Niners first play at their new stadium? So, Tim, you said, what again? What stadium? Riverfront Stadium. That is correct. They did share that with the uh, Cincinnati Reds up until, was it 2000? Um, and the Niners first played there in what year, Tim? I think I said 2003. You are absolutely right. It was 2003, and the Niners did lose 41 to 38 um, against the uh, Bengals that day. Uh, Dennis Erickson's first year as our head coach. Uh, and we know how well that worked out. Yeah, exactly. So, about as well as right. the Vikings game last night. <laughs> well,. I feel a little bit better. It's Talk, been therapeutic. <laughs> I've we've talked out our feelings. <laughs> I avoided most of the morning shows today, like get up and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is. Um, yeah, we just got a soldier on. 
you know, we were fortunate. I mean, they won 15 in a row and okay, they've lost two. Let's just, let's just take a deep breath. I feel like the, the Stuart, the guy with the Stuart Smalley, like, because I'm good enough. I'm smart I'm enough. Smart enough. And gosh, and gosh darn, it, darn it. People like me. People like me. What do you with Jordan? He's like, maybe you're just not good at dribbling the ball or putting it in the basket. You just say to yourself, Brock, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And people like me. <laughs> Anybody else want to top that? I just want next Monday morning not to come down with the house pitch black, have my first cup of coffee and just be like, I'm so angry right now. I'm so angry right now. I don't want to feel that feeling again. I want the Cowboys feeling where it's just like, good morning, my neighbors. <laughs> and that's my final thought. I just Brian. want to feel a, I, don't, I want to have a restful sleep on that Sunday night. So. <laughs> yeah. We all just want to sleep. Man, I, I, I mean, I'm sure you guys do this, but like I woke up at like two in the morning thinking about what? We lost that game? And then I went back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if if I have to go goose egg for, for a month of betting and the Niners win, I'm okay with that. I would rather have that than... than a third loss in a row, but I agree. let's, let's, let's see what happens. I mean, the, the, it's a long season, but I would rather be six and two going to the bye than five and three. Absolutely. Here, here. Agreed. So, cause I don't want to hear for two weeks about this, that, and the other thing. So. Yeah. That's uh, like, now I want to see. Yeah. Two weeks of, of sitting on a loss is, is painful. Yeah. So. All right. On that note, Niners Nation, hope you enjoyed this therapy session with the three of us. It will get better. We promise. Promise. <laughs> I'll make it. I mean, I have my kid believe in Santa Claus for a while. I'll make that promise. Sure. Right. Santa Claus is coming. So, Niners Nation, we're out. Keep the faith. Just keep the faith. We are the faithful after all. Thanks for listening to Niners Talk. Stay faithful.